Good afternoon, St. Louis. This is Paul Kurtman on The Paul Kurtman Show here at News Talk STL at 101.9 and 94.1. In the studio today with Paul Cook. Paul, it's great to see you again for another show. Thanks for having me, Paul Kurtman. Um, so we're already just a, a couple weeks now into 2023, and I just want to just let everybody know what we're going to be doing over the next hour here. This is good. This is called the tease, and it's good to set the the, the plate. Thank and we're going to do that right now. Yes. We're going to set the plate yes. so everybody knows what we're going to be dishing out here over the next hour or so. So what I want to do in, here in this first segment is I want to talk a little bit, do a little bit uh, discussion over some of these revelations about President Biden, right? Mm-hmm. I know people have heard a lot about this. We want to talk about this just a little bit more for this first segment. Uh, President Biden having... Uh, it's been discovered, and it not just recently it was discovered, that he had all these classified documents. We've known about this. I say we. People who should know have known about this for months now. Yeah. Okay? So we're going to talk a little bit about that. After that, I'm going to introduce a special guest for the second segment. We're going to talk a little bit about property. And I would highly encourage people to stick around for this particular segment because – Anybody who's been paying attention, if you own a home or if you've wanted a home or you own land or you've wanted to buy some land, anybody who's been paying attention to the market has seen a very, I want to say, clear, obvious roller coaster Mm. in terms of that market just over the last few years, especially since the beginning of the pandemic. And so we're going to talk with a special guest a little bit about that. And then in the third segment, something that... We kind of just did to fill a little bit of time, but I have really begun to enjoy doing with you, and that is talking about life lessons. I feel the same way. I I like it because there's all these – everybody – there's a lot of gurus and there's a lot of (laughs) furus. Furus are the fake gurus, okay? Wow. Fake gurus, and everybody has ideas for things that we ought to be living. So much. Everyone's a specialist on their life. Everyone's a specialist, and a lot of people think they are, and they're dosing out a ton of Bad advice. Yeah. So maybe today would be kind of fun. Let's talk about some bad advice that we've heard before. That's great. I actually saw a coach of people who do this, and they call it disruptive ideas. Do you have a disruptive idea basically saying going the opposite direction of everyone else to get noticed? But a lot of times a disruptive idea doesn't work, I've, but it gets you noticed. And I've, I've got one. Okay. Just, just now that you've mentioned it like that, I got one that I heard from this social media influencer, <clears throat> excuse me, who's in sales, and he gave some advice I saw yesterday. I'll talk about it in the third segment, and I thought to myself, this is the worst advice, <laughs> but he's trying to sound smart. But in the third segment, we'll get to that. But right now, classified Biden documents, a timeline of what happened and when. Mm. Now, when was it that uh, Trump had this special prosecutor? Was this uh, October, November time frame mm-hmm. or roughly thereabouts? Remember and they, the whole raid and everything? Well, it turns out that Merrick Garland from the Department of Justice. Here he is getting all this attention. The left is fawning over him. Oh, listen, he's he's doing everything he can because it's all about justice and classified information and we do not want America to be at a disadvantage because classified information got leaked out, let alone from a former president. Mm-hmm. How dare he, right? Mm-hmm. How dare President Trump have all this classified information at Mar-a-Lago or wherever? And we had to send him in. We didn't want to. I mean, I know it was a big display going in, you know, but they're saying we, we had to do it because this is this is so yeah. important. You know, it's not something we'd ever prefer to do, but we had to. It, it's not. We're not doing this for the production effect. We're not no. doing this for the drama. 
We're doing this for justice. Get your flak jackets on. Let's get the AR-15s and the uh, you know the Suburbans loaded up. But we're not doing it for uh, and, and let's make sure. Also, this was interesting when they raided when they raided Mar-a-Lago. There's a reason, and uh, and I know this. I know this from a, a little bit of personal experience from my time in the Marine Corps, and also I've heard law enforcement officers talk about it. If they can help it, there's a reason why you'd want to do a raid at night. Mm. And the reason is is because you just don't want everybody and their brother to have eyes on over what you're doing. But when did they raid Mar-a-Lago? It was like afternoon or morning? It was the morning. Ugh. It was right at dawn, right wow. when the sun's coming up. And it just so happened there in West Palm Beach. You wow. got all these news helicopters flying around, giving the morning traffic report, and they all noticed all these black Suburbans and flashing lights driving quickly in a convoy right through one of the most elite areas of the entire country. And you think they're not going to notice that and talk about it? To a former president. To the former, Yeah, to the former president. I mean, if that's so not political. It was all, this was a whole stage. It was all production because they wanted to make sure that all these local news outlets were able to pick up the story so that way all the major news outlets could also run with it, okay? Mm. But at the same time, right, Merrick Garland, and, and how does Biden, does Biden know about what's going on? Well, he found out about it by watching television, just happened. like the rest of America, right? Yes. Well, get this. As we all know already, Biden, at the exact same time that all this was happening, all this drama, all this hype, all this staging the theater— Mayor Merrick Garland also at the same time knew that President Biden also had classified documents in his possession because on November 2nd, 2022, this is from the Wall Street Journal, November 2nd, if you want to find out a good timeline, you can find this at paulkirpin.com, scroll to the bottom, I think it's radio number 85 or 86. November 2nd, 2022, Biden aides find documents with classified markings at the Penn Biden Center for Diplomacy and Global Engagement. So this is at the University of Pennsylvania. So not even under lock and key inside somebody's own uh, office like it was with Trump. Yeah. This is at a university. With, uh, yeah, with uh, security, you know, because the former president, we're talking at a university. Within two days, the inspector general of the National Archives notifies a Justice Department prosecutor that documents with classified markings had been discovered at the center at a place where they were not authorized to be. Now, here's the difference. You have the University of Pennsylvania, okay, with these documents. They're not authorized to be there. However, when Trump has his documents, he tells the National Archives, I have these documents. They tell him, put a lock on the door where you're keeping these documents, and he does. Mm -hmm. that, would, that would imply to me that at least Trump's documents were authorized to be where they were because he was already cooperating with the National Archives to make sure that everything that needed to be secured was secured. So even though maybe they wanted to move them, at least at the time being, they were authorized to be there. Yeah. Meanwhile, Merrick Garland's putting together a big display of the FBI raid. November 9th, the FBI begins assessing whether classified material was mishandled in violation of federal law. November 14th, Mr. Garland tasks the Trump-appointed U.S. attorney in Chicago, John Losh, with reviewing the documents and determining whether a special counsel should be appointed to further probe the matter. So back in November, uh, maybe we should look into this, maybe we shouldn't. Oh, it's Trump? <laughs> Mike Ferguson asked me this question. Do we think we're going to see the same response to Biden as we saw with Trump? And my answer to that question was this. The only way we're going to see as much fanfare where President Biden is concerned is 
if they get the harebrained idea, if somebody got the harebrained idea that Donald Trump is actually responsible for Biden putting these unclassified documents in unauthorized locations. And I said that in jest. Wow. Like, like the only way that we're going to see Biden get as much scrutiny is if they think Trump's really behind it. Wow. Well, it turns out that's already come up. <laughs> Babylon B. No, 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 no. You would think <laughs> it would be— One of those Babylon Bs that comes true. You would think it would be a satire article from the Babylon B. And I'm trying to remember his name, but this congressman, you remember like 10 years ago, the congressman that said, uh, I'm concerned Guam's going to tip over with all the people that are on it. Do you remember this? <laughs> yes. I'm trying to remember the name of this congressman and where he's from. This was serious. In a committee like 12 years How ago, could be? he says, oh, well, with as many people as we have on Guam, which is a U.S. territory, I- I'm just concerned it's going to tip over like it's just floating, like the sign's <laughs> just floating out there. And he's, that guy is still in Congress. He wow. said something like that. He's still in Congress. Well, he, this week, he's already alluded to the idea that this maybe guy. Trump's really behind this. I mean, that's what I mean. How could this be? How could that even be? It is, it is absolutely insane. But then we did find out. You know, I, I do want to follow up. I don't want to leave this cliffhanger out there. So for anybody that's wondering, a special counsel actually at this point has been named to investigate the yes. Biden documents. So uh, uh, Merrick Garland has appointed Robert Hur special counsel to investigate the Biden documents. The thing is, is if, if memory serves me correctly, Trump was raided before they got a special prosecutor. In this case, in this case, yeah, the special prosecutor is coming before the raid. Riddle me that. How is it that two and? Almost identical situations, almost identical, except Biden didn't even know about any of this stuff. Trump was at least cooperating with the National Archives. Yeah. So nearly identical. Trump gets raided, even though he was already cooperating. He gets raided anyway. And then the special counsel comes. Biden gets the special counsel first. No raid. Man, what is going on? Corruption. Corruption is what's going on. But you would think with the... Uh, orchestration of these things and then being political and all of that, you would know what the right hand would know what the left hand is doing. We're going to make a big deal about this Trump thing. You know, right now we already know Biden is doing the same thing. Wouldn't you temper your reaction a little bit because you're going to look stupid down the line? Or am I unless, forgetting? Missing unless something? you think you can keep it quiet. Oh. And so, I mean, as soon as as soon as. Anybody got word in the Department of Justice about Trump, man, it was all over the news. They were hoping to get a perp walk with Trump in handcuffs on camera. Mm-hmm. I mean, I played a clip on this show before of people that were just giddy with the idea, all these news anchors and people in government that were giddy yes. with the idea. I played a whole compilation of people that were like, man, I can't wait to see him put the orange man in an orange jumpsuit. They were saying all kinds of crazy stuff. Somebody wanted to hang him. Oh, or something. There are there are people that were after him so much, but with Biden, it's almost like they were trying to keep this quiet. We've known about this. The government's known about this. The people who should know and who should be moving on issues like this, they've known about it for months. So you mentioned the left hand knowing. It's like the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. The left hand and the right hand both belong to the same corrupted, cancer-ridden body of the mm. federal government, and they both know what they're doing, and they're holding on to the exact same stick that they're using to beat the American people with and try wow. to try to make us 
think that either we're stupid as they continue to gaslight us. So I don't buy for a second that we're going to see anything happen here where Biden's concerned. The special prosecutor, I mean, now that we know, they kind of have to do something. But before they did something so we would know. Mm. See what I'm saying? Yes. Yes. So so, total difference of of the way it was approached. Yeah. And that congressman, by the way, the congressman who is afraid that Guam is going to tip over, (laughs) Congressman Hank Johnson. That's who it was. Remember that name. This is the best and brightest that we have in America to represent us. We are electing people who think that islands can just tip over if there's too many people on one side. Of course. There's just too much weight. Too many people. Too much weight and too many people. Wow, that's funny. Absolutely funny. How much more time have we got here? In this we got two minutes, my friend. Two minutes? Okay. Well, um, um, there's a lot more that we're going to talk about here in the next segment. I'm going to bring on our, our guest, and we're going to talk a little bit about home uh, home values, land values. I'm interested values. in this with land, home values, well, if, and all If you got any questions, this is the guy you want to ask. Okay, so I'm going to introduce him when we come back into our next segment, and we might talk a little bit about interest rates and the pandemic and how that has affected everything and different things that people should be considering. And he's just got a lot of great ideas. There's a lot of fear out there and maybe not facts that we know. So it'll be good to talk to him. And facts are important. They really are. Because you don't want to be making buying or selling decisions off of emotional knee-jerk reactions. You want to be thoughtful about it. And so I'm excited to bring our next guest on. So we'll bring him on here in just a couple minutes right here on the Paul Kerbin Show 1019-941 News Talk STL. This is the Paul Kurtman Show on News Talk STL. All right, and welcome back to the Paul Kurtman Show here at News Talk STL. It's not just me, Paul Kurtman in the studio, and Paul Cook. Yo! But we have a very special guest to be joining with us today, and I cannot wait to talk to him. I met him just a few weeks ago. We had some really good, interesting conversations that has carried forward before the show we were talking a little bit. But our next guest is Dan Hillberry, and I want to talk to Dan a little bit about real estate, home values, land values. I think, Dan, uh, introduce yourself a little bit more, uh, your company, your background a little bit, and then maybe we can just kind of get in uh, to talking about this particular issue. I know that we have some people that are, are listening right now who are interested in what you have to say about property values and buying and selling, especially especially in this market with interest rates and everything just really going every which way in this particular economy. Uh, uh, great. Uh, good morning. Thanks for having me. Um, and uh, it's just uh, it's kind of a silly time going on here. Uh, you know, we take a look at all of this stuff that's gone on since the pandemic uh, where nobody wanted to go out and do anything. And then everybody wanted to go out and do stuff again. <laughs> and so that uh, that set up a perfect storm in real estate. Uh, I actually kind of hate the word unprecedented, but it applies in this particular situation. We saw unprecedented increases in property and home values from 2019, well, actually 2020 through 2022 to the mid part of the year when the Fed stepped in and started uh, um, their quantitative easing. <laughs> uh, and, and so when they, when they started to raise the interest rates, um, that started to slow the market down a mm-hmm. little bit. And then they went from a half point to where they were raising by three quarters of a point, which slowed the market down even more. 
So let me, let, me, let me interrupt right here. I just want to make sure that I have this in my mind, kind of this timeline and paint a picture of this. And tell me if I'm wrong. This is what I think. This is not really my, my space. I work in finance as, a, as an investment advisor, but real estate's a little bit different for me. But when, when they cut interest rates down to near zero and suddenly people started staying at home because we're in the middle of a pandemic, is that what really began to drive this real estate bubble? I, I kind of thought it was because money's cheaper to borrow and now people can almost work from anywhere. Is Do I have that right or was there more to it? There's more to it, actually. Okay. Uh, and uh, um, the interest rate that you quoted was actually where the Fed was. The actual home rates that we were looking at were around anywhere from 2.75 to 3.5 for people with good credit. And that's going to put you in the 725 and above credit score range. Uh, when you take a look at what actually happened, um, people all of a sudden realized they had all this extra equity in their house so they could make a, they could make an actual vertical move up in property. Mm. Mm. And so, um, you know, when they call it the American dream, I mean, that's not a, that's not a joke. I mean, people, people dream about having this really, really nice house, like Mar-a-Lago, for instance, like you were talking <laughs> about in the last segment. And when you, when you take a look at that, the ability to, to go ahead and sell their house for quite a bit more than they paid for it and be able to apply all of that with historically low interest rates. We we never saw interest rates in the in the high twos and low threes in real estate, at least not in the 25 years that I've been doing this. Mm-hmm. And so um, when you when you couple those two things together, that really emboldened a lot of people to get out there and buy. And what that did was it created a shortage of inventory. Mm. which still exists today. Any of those of you who are out there looking for homes know that you still might have to get into a bidding war if you're in exactly the right spot at exactly the right price. So you just said a shortage of inventory. I remember uh, looking for a house because at the time I was living in Wisconsin and it just seemed like I couldn't find a house that met my price range. And if I did, man, people were jumping in and bidding so fast. And so the demand was so huge but now, like if I were to go on uh, Redfin or Realtor or Zillow or whatever, I'm, I could pl- plug in the same data and I just feel like I'm just not coming up with – like before I thought I, I felt like I saw a lot of things, but there were so many buyers. Now I just – when I go on there, it's like I don't The inventory. See as, yeah, I just don't see as much available. And that's correct. The inventory still hasn't – it's starting to inch up, but it's still it, – it, it, it's really, really low. Mm-hmm. Do the and rates so, cause that? Is it a rate thing? Or I mean, there's a lot into it with Paul's question too. There were so many buyers at the same time mm-hmm. grabbing the grabbing inventory off of the market mm-hmm. that it just diminished the inventory. Uh, when when realtors look at at inventory, we kind of look at how many months of inventory there actually is on the books. Right now, it's 1.3 months. If everything if everything were just just to stop. And we just sold what was there; it'd be gone in month, one point three months. Oh, wow. wow! So we so a month and ten days, it's gone. Wow! Okay, that's how low the inventory is in in, in Missouri, especially in the St. Louis metropolitan area right now. Okay, so right now, um, if somebody is uh, and and tell us a little bit about your particular business and um, what it is you do. You, do you have any particular specialty? I know that when it comes to real estate and realtors, some people are they kind of focus in one area and some people just kind of do anything that they can 
uh, be involved in in terms of buying or selling? And some people just do land. Like, where are you? Are you somewhere in the middle? Or what does your particular business and expertise look like? Uh, I'm kind of in the middle. Okay. <laughs> okay. And here, let me explain that. You have residential realtors, you have commercial realtors, and then you have realtors like myself who deal with residential property, but with larger land holdings. Okay. okay? And so if you've got three to five acres and a house on it, I'll be more than happy to talk to you about anything that you want to talk about. Uh, if you've got a half acre and you want to sell your house, I'll be happy to sell it for you, but that's really not my specialty. Although... The first twenty year, the first fifteen years, I was a realtor. That's exactly what I did. I understand that side of the industry, but when you talk to me, you're looking for a farm. You're looking for a hunting piece of ground, or you're looking for recreational ground. Hmm. Okay. Okay. And there's also a commercial side to land real estate, and that involves timber, and that's something else that we deal with. Okay, um, and a well-timbered piece of property that suits your needs for every other reason is a very, very good place to go because you can sell that, that timber off and recoup a great deal of the money you've had to put into that property already. Unbelievable. That makes a lot of sense. And so it's, it's, some, it's always something to look at. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm often asked, well, what's the difference between recreation and hunting ground? Well, that's a good question. Recreational ground is, I go hiking here, I go digging around in caves here, I ride my ATVs here, I ride my dirt bikes here, um, I've got it just because it's got a nice lake on it and I love to fish every day of my life. Something like that is recreation. Hunting, it speaks for itself. So I know a lot of people who are hunters or farmers or people that would like to have more land. Like I'd even put myself in this category, right? I, I, I have a house. Um, do you know a good realtor? <laughs> if, we if, do now. If if somebody's wanting to buy a large piece of land, it, it's always kind of seemed like that was just really out of touch for your middle income, average income earner. Is there is there ways that people can buy more land before they can just save up and have hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars in the bank? I mean, is there... How does somebody go about, if they're looking to have 50 acres or even 20 acres or just whatever it is, how does somebody get started looking for those types of properties? Okay, first get yourself connected with somebody that knows land, okay, because that way you can describe to them what you're looking for. And then when it comes to the actual purchase of it, um, something that most people don't know anything about is a, a product called the USDA loan. It's a very, very, very specialized format. It's not a first-time homebuyer program. Uh, so if, um, if you're going into this, you can go and buy a piece of ground for virtually no money down. The better your credit is, the better the chances are that you won't have to pay any money down at all. It's a zero down, and you get into the property, and you need to talk to a really good lender about this. And I have, I have, some, I have some people to talk to that are exceptional at this. But just to give you an idea, a USDA loan, no money down. One of the easy ways that most people buy, buy property is FHA. It's 3.5% down. Mm. Okay? Okay. You have to have 3.5% just to even talk to these guys. Okay? There's 1% upfront cost for USDA, uh, and there's 1.75% upfront 
for FHA. Is there any type of limit on what that land has to do or how it has to be used or, or, a, or a quantity of acreage that somebody would have to have whenever they uh, get one of these loans? There are limitations to that, and they vary by location. Oh, okay. Okay, so what you need to do, once again, is talk to the lender. And if I could recommend anything to anybody, before you even go into this, talk to a realtor who puts you in contact with somebody that does this type of loan and get yourself pre-approved. Mm. Okay. Because when you're pre-approved, that's just as good as showing up with a briefcase of cash. Wow. I'm, yeah, I'm learning so much about that. I do another show called HomeWise with a lender, Michael Midget, and he says the same thing. We don't incorporate the lender like we should ahead of the game and somebody who knows the questions to ask. I've got one. You talked about inventory uh, in, in about the month and a half and that, is that normal homes in St. Louis, normal homes in our area, or ones that would have timber or ones that do have land? How is the inventory if I want to get into buying some land? The inventory of land is better. Mm. Okay. Now, a person like myself will actually get a hold of what's referred to as an absentee owner. Let's say you have a specific area that you want to look in. Let's, let's just use Franklin County, for, for instance. There's a lot of good farm ground out there. And uh, it's still close to St. Louis. And so when you take a look at that, you tell me what you're looking for. Okay. Okay. And while I have you go to a lender and start talking about what you can actually get pre-approved for, I'm going to be contacting absentee owners. An absentee owner would be, let's say, for instance, Paul owns 35 acres of prime farm ground out in Franklin County, but he lives in Wisconsin. Okay. Mm -hmm. So he's not here. All right. I contact okay. him in Wisconsin and say, Hey, look, I got somebody who might be interested in buying your property. Can we talk? And then we talk. Okay. And I find you ground that way. That's just one of the, that's just one of the ways that we look for ground. We don't just use the MLS. We don't just use uh, social media, like you alluded to, Zillow and Redfin and some yeah. of those other places. We do look there, uh, and uh, it just it just gives us information. Yeah. So wow. a couple of things I've gathered from this. When we're talking about land, it's a good idea to talk to somebody who deals with land, you know, if that's what you're actually looking for. Not just, just i got to get a real estate guy for this. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Yeah, that makes mm -hmm. a lot of look sense. At it, look at it like a medical professional, mm -hmm. okay? If you mm. want your heart work done, you don't go to a general practitioner. Makes a lot of sense. My dentist or something. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I bet a lot of people do, though. I don't mean dentists. Uh, they go with just, that guy can do it paperwork-wise, so let's do it. And, man, do you miss it. You leave a lot of money on the table, don't you? Or, or savings. You can. Yeah. yeah. You can. So we've, we've only got just a, a minute here. And when we come back after the break, uh, Paul, let's talk a little bit about what's going on at the federal level in terms of the economy before we get into some of these life lessons. Because sure. that has a lot to do with this Huge. also. Yeah. Especially with... Some of the things Janet Yellen's went to do. Not not the biggest Janet Yellen. If, <laughs> we got to hear more on that. <laughs> Dan, if somebody wants to uh, get a hold of you, how would they do that? Uh, they can contact me via phone or text at 314-650-5240. That's 314-650-5240. Or you can email me at dan at livingthedreamland.com. Ooh, I like that. Dot com. Dan living the dreamland at livingthedreamland.com. Very good. All right. I love it.
Hey, Dan, thanks for come, coming in and uh, talking with us a little a little bit. Understanding the differences between home and land and kind of the, you know, what people should be thinking about is. Can I toss in one sure. last little bit here? Absolutely. You can. Okay. Land has stayed the same. Land does not depreciate. According to the IRS, you cannot devalue land. Okay. okay. So when you buy something at $1,000 an acre, it's $1,000 an acre uh, 10 years down the road, unless there are mitigating factors like low inventory or people wanting to work remotely and they move out outside of town. Yeah. Um, that being stated, uh, in St. Louis, from June to December of 2022, prices dropped 12.7%. That's, that's, you know, it's a pretty steep drop. But historically, it's it's not as bad as it as it has been before. Uh, sales have dropped by forty percent. Wow! A lot of that has to do with inventory. Another big part of it is being driven by the fear factor of the interest rates. Ladies and gentlemen, the interest rates are still below historical averages even now, which is a little over seven and a half percent. Man, if you go back for the last twenty five years. So think about that. Don't be afraid to at least put your toe in the water and see what your possibilities are. Yeah, that's good to know, especially about the interest rates. Opportunity, right? Yeah. Great Okay. Hey, we're going to come back here uh, for the final, third and final segment of the Paul Kirpin Show, 1019-941 News Talk STL. You're listening to the Paul Kirtman Show on News Talk STL. And welcome back to the third and final segment of the Paul Kirtman Show here at News Talk STL. Just had a... A really good conversation, Paul, with uh, Dan Hilberry. There, there's so much more involved when people are looking at markets, and, and you know I'm a market guy, so like I, I, I love having conversations about markets, whether it's stocks and bonds, and, and or whether it's land. But there's just things that I don't know about land and buying and selling, like the differences between what realtors look at when it's a residential home versus large tracts of land, for example. You know, there's just things I don't know. But you don't I, hear a lot of talk about that. You don't hear a lot of. People talking about that kind of mm-hmm. thing, and you know, most people, most people are looking for homes rather than large tracts of land. But there's still a lot of people that are in a home now, but they would like to maybe have a large tract of land at some point, right? And especially in this world economy, in this uh, environment politically, you kind of want to get out to the rustic and uh, live a little. I, I know a lot of people that want to do that. That you know, they don't make a ton of money, but they have great credit. And and here's here's one of the things. Let's let's talk about this a little bit. Before we get into some of these life lessons, okay, uh, things that we like to do here on the third yes. segment of the Paul Kerman Show. But Janet Yellen, who is the Secretary of the Treasury, so I'm not a fan. I'll just, <laughs> if anybody has ever questioned in their mind how Paul Kerman feels about the government, you should know this. I don't trust them, and I don't trust uh, bureaucrats and secretaries who run treasury departments or labor bureaus, Mm -hmm. if they themselves have never actually run a company or signed a paycheck or have been a W-2 employee or a 1099 employee, I have a really hard time putting a lot of stock in what they think the economy actually makes the economy work. Janet Yellen's one of these people. She's never actually had a private sector job. She's always been an academic or she's been in government. And so- Janet Yellen is now urging Congress to raise the debt ceiling again. And this is something that we have done over and over. And the the frequency to which there are calls to raise the debt ceiling 
have increased drastically just over the last 15 or 20 years. You hear a lot more about it, really. You hear a lot more about it, government shutdowns, because we haven't raised the debt ceiling or we got to spend this much money. And uh, the more money we spend because of the monetary system we have, the more money we have to create. Mm. That's the way our government's working. When we raise the debt limit uh, to account for money that we want to spend, when we don't even have those dollars yet. Okay? Does that mean print? You've got to print more you money. you got to print money. So it devalues the dollar. At the beginning of the last segment, uh, uh, Dan Hilberry mentioned quantitative easing. Okay, So quantitative easing is the really soft way of saying, hey, let's print more money and put it out there in the economy to kind of ease some of these monetary or otherwise economic pressures. But that's inflationary. Mm. And, and I'll tell you, I'm a Trump fan, but both Trump and Biden had a lot to do with the inflation that we've been seeing over the last year. Because when you decide, hey, we're going to have stimulus packages and you just create money out of thin air and you send it out to people, well, then suddenly there's all this demand. This is why you want to see inflation. This is why the cost of education is so incredibly high. It's because we subsidize the cost of education. And so if you're going to subsidize the cost of education, well, then anybody who wants a degree is going to find a path to getting money that they can take to college. Well, colleges only have so many classroom space. Mm. And so in order to weed out all that demand, they have to raise the prices, okay, because some people – they got to make sure they weed out people. And one of the easiest ways to weed people out if you don't have enough seats, if you don't have enough uh, student desks to yeah. meet the demand, one of the easiest ways to weed people out is you just raise the prices. I had never thought about then that. Then the way. first people that get pushed off to the margins are people that just really can't afford it, and they're so in such bad shape, they don't even qualify for some of these subsidies. Yeah. So that's just one of the things. And then, so this money, you raise it just to weed out, but somebody's getting rich. These schools. Uh, I mean, the money, the professors. The educational industrial complex. That's what yes. I like to call it. Yes. So we see inflation in education, which is a place that's really easy to see it. And that's a place paints a very clear picture because they create money, which increases the demand for schools. But they can't also they're not also creating new classroom space. Mm -hmm. They're not hiring as many teachers as they need to meet the demand. So therefore, it becomes far more competitive and the price winds up going up to make sure we weed people out. So. Wow. More debt. And, and and so it's it's just inflationary. And whenever we send, whenever we create money and send out in stimulus packages, anyway, I'm kind of getting off on a track here. No, I but, get what you mean, though. We printed money. But, everyone was scared in the pandemic, and we I got that five hundred dollars in the mail. I go, who's paying for this when I know how much trouble we're in? And Biden, for the debt. grab a mirror. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> grab a mirror. Biden and Trump are both responsible for creating so much money in the wake of this pandemic. Some people would say, well, we didn't know what we were dealing with, so you know, this is why Trump did it. Mm-hmm. Hey, listen, um, I, heard, uh, I heard Ron Paul say one time, he said, in the middle of an emergency is when you need to cling to sound financial principles and principles of freedom the most. Mm. And there's a lot of truth to that, and I think that we should have been doing it. Yeah. But McCarthy says that the House is going to focus on spending cuts and probes. So I think that we're going to see more in terms of the probes than we are spending cuts, especially <laughs> since the House has already locked themselves out of have, in, instituting all the spending cuts they want because of this arrangement that they made with the Senate before the House took over. This $1.7 trillion oh, yes. spending they package. They got that in there, yeah. By the time the House can actually institute or investigate the budget and do the spending cuts they'd like to talk about, it's going to be campaign season again. And I promise that even the Republicans are not going to start instituting spending cuts in the middle of campaign season. 
Wow. Because it just, it's the politics of it. It well, just, it never works out that way. If you listen, you know, back to the first segment or second segment, you talked about the right hand, left hand, the body. It's the same body, isn't it? That's creating all this momentum and then not delivering on promises, raising the debt ceiling, political season, goodies coming back out. It's scary. <laughs> it's scary. It I just scared scary. myself. Uh, <laughs> don't, don't listen to, don't re-listen to the show. Yes. Okay. I can't, I'm the one that can't do that. Hey, how much time do we got now? Because I want to make sure we fit all this in here in the rest. Man, we have like eight minutes. Perfect. Even more, yeah. Perfect. So last week we talked about some life lessons, rules for life. What is it? What, we had like 15 rules for life. We went through some of them and talked about some of them. But uh, I said we would do this in the first segment, but let's do this. Uh, maybe we can all kind of go around the room here. What is some bad advice that you've seen people give really thinking? I'll go first, actually. Yes, I'll I got to go think of this. Let you guys there's think about a lot. This. What is some bad advice you've heard people give, probably thinking that they were doing a really good thing? Here's one, here's one that I heard. I watched this just last night. I was watching this guy. He was, he's in sales. And he said, you know what the best thing that I've ever done in sales is? Is I close the deal, and then I send people their money back. And I'm thinking to myself, as soon as I heard that, I was like, that sounds like a terrible idea. But then he elaborated, and I think he was trying to make a point about building trust. What he said was, I'll close the deal. And he goes, I did this with every customer. He said, I close the deal. They send me their money. And I, he, he, this guy sold advertising. And what I would tell them is I'd call him on the phone and say, hey, listen, now's just really not the right time. I want to make sure you get the bang for your bucks. So let's just wait two weeks to run this ad campaign and not do it now. He goes, I did that with every single customer. I sent them their money back, and I wouldn't, even, and I would, wouldn't call them for two weeks. He goes, I did that with everybody. And it builds trust because people just think you're really looking out for them. And that kind of sounds good in terms of building trust, but it's bad advice because if you're running a business, you don't want to have a standard operating procedure of every time you get money from a client, you immediately send it back because now you're actually running the risk of people thinking to themselves, well, I sent this guy my money and he sent it back to me because he just didn't think it was the right time. So A, now you got to close the deal all over again unless you're so sure and confident that they're actually going to pay you. You could just hold on to the money. If it's if you're only talking about two weeks, just say, hey, listen, we're gonna. Here's the numbers. Here's how radio works. Here's how television works. We're gonna we're gonna wait a week or two, and then we're gonna run it because we can see that we're gonna really increase uh, a potential for a return on this yeah. money that you're spending for advertising. And your investment. Yeah. But if you send the money back, and this guy made a big point about send them send them their He's money back. He's trying to be disruptive with his and ideas. I, and mm-hmm. I thought to myself, as a businessman. Build trust. But if you can find a way to build trust without sending everybody's money back, that's what you should do because your employees are counting on you keeping that money to pay them. Oh, man. And people are counting on a business making money. Find a way to build (laughs) trust, but don't build trust in a way that you seriously run a risk of undermining your own ability to make money or have some profitability. It just just wasn't that good of advice. I understand how it's striking to hear, you know, and like, hmm. But, you know, you said it, risk, running a risk. Mine was, and I don't know, Dan may disagree, but I bet he won't, was as a young 20-something-year-old with our first house, the the advice was you got to pay off your house. Make sure you pay off your house. Even if it's you struggle to do it, keep paying off your home. Uh, even though you have, you know, the 30-year fixed or anything like that, that was a great way to not, I mean, I'm not saying shirk a responsibility there, but we were struggling to make sure we put all that in, and you're struggling in other ways, and running a risk was 
pay off your house now. And I think that was kind of an old thinking. A, a lot of a lot of people think that you have to have absolutely no debt at all. Yes, that's it. And that's so they will part. they will say pay off your whole house. And work right to now, do that. That's what you, you want to do right yeah. now. And, and for some people, I think that that might be okay. But for other people, maybe not. Dan, what do you what do you think about that when when you're younger? Well, when I was younger, I got exactly the same advice. Uh, over the, the the span of time, I've learned that that's not always a very good idea. Uh, we were talking about bad advice. One of the worst tidbits of advice that you can accept is to refinance your house when you're having financial problems. Take mm. a look at the numbers. Mm. Mm. Always take a look at the numbers. Because if it makes financial sense to refinance your house, maybe it makes better sense to just get a home equity line of credit to help slide you through. The interest rates tend to be lower, and you don't really jeopardize your house. You're not taking that value. Or, yeah, jeopardizing, right, man. And, and I would also say, like, for anybody who's in this position where they – need to kind of navigate these financial waters, mm-hmm. find somebody and talk to them. Get some advice on this. Exactly. Because other people have walked this road before or else they have a job where they help people walk this road and they will think of things that you haven't been able to think of, things that things that you never even thought you should be Questions thinking Questions you didn't even know you needed to ask. You're yeah. right. Because it could be different. You know, pay off your house depending on where you are specific. And, and I know you do that cater to each each client you're working with. These hard and fast rules sometimes can get you in trouble. I don't believe in hard and fast rules. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's let's do one of these. I got something else in the in the. Fi- we'll do this real quick. I'm going to list two things, maybe one. Rule ten unspoken rules for men. Some of these, some people would say, have kind of gone by the wayside. Wayside. But never shake a man's hand sitting down is one. And then the other one was never laugh about someone's hobbies. I have laughed about other men's hobbies wow. before, other people's hobbies, because some people have some just ridiculous hobbies. I get what they're saying. It's true, but it's I very interesting. But if some listen, if somebody has a funny hobby, and you think it's funny, just go ahead and laugh, but don't be mean about it. I know a guy who's into coral, really into <laughs> coral. Okay, so you know, that I'm made me football. laugh. Yeah. Did not expect it. Into coral. Okay, he's really into that, and I have laughed, and I feel bad, and you can kind of see it on his face, like, oh, okay, you're saying I'm really weird. Uh huh. I am actually, but yes, that's good. And then you do want to stand up, right? Sitting down to shake a hand. What's your thoughts on that? I think you should stand up to shake people's hand. I mean, unless someone just walks up to you real quick and shoves their hand like right kind of down at you, you know. But I think it's a good idea for men to stand up when a woman approaches them to talk. I think it's a good idea for men to shake hands and like learn how to shake a hand right, you know, rather than just grabbing someone's pinky and, you know. all kinds of like wet fish handshakes oh, like it, a first impression it's getting worse too because of tiktok and they don't have oh. to have interaction with people it's i mean true. it's getting worse that's true dan um handshaking handshaking if it's got to be firm it's got to be brief okay it's not, it's I like not that. one of those deals where you sit there and hang under the guy's oh, hand like you want to date him we could talk about uh. this forever what about the other hand handshake other hand and when i'm really excited i realize i did that and i'm like I, maybe i shouldn't I grab the other side. I reserve that for very, very close friends I haven't seen for a while. Okay. I, I think I would agree with that. I think if you are trying to make that extra special connection, like really connect with somebody, but it needs to be intentional unless you already have that relationship where it's just natural. Okay. Yeah, that's kind of how Great I Great advice. Um, here's a little, a little bit more advice. If anybody wants to get a hold of me to talk about finances, Paul at Paul. I'm sorry, I messed that up. Paul at prkirtman.com. 
But you can go to prkirtman.com. That's my investment advisory website. Get on my email list. Yes. I have a great email that goes out every week that talks about the market, great earnings, advice. calendars, all kinds of things, interest rates. Get on that email list, and that's one way that you can get a hold of me. Also, you can check out the show page at paulkirtman.com. Dan, what was that again? Dan at livingthedream.com. The dream living land. The, living, living the dream land. Living the dream land. Dan Duck. at livingthedreamland.com. May I add one last piece of advice? Sure. The best advice I ever received was to learn how to listen to people. All right? And, a, and the way that I remember that, uh, there was this English woman who did a, 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 um, an actual uh, presentation on listening to people. And she ended it with this. A conversation should be like a miniskirt. It should be short enough to attract your attention, but long enough to get the point across. <laughs> I can't that, believe she said that. That makes a lot of sense. Good way to end it. Hey, Paul, how can people get a hold of you? Hey, thank you. PaulCookTalks.com or Paul at PaulCookTalks.com. Thank you so much, Paul. And I speak on uh, mental illness, intentionality, and uh, I talk to schools as well. I'd love to help. All right. Good to go. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us right here on the Paul Kirkman Show. 1019-941 News Talk STL.